Welcome to another episode of Are You There, Todd? It's me, Taylor, with Taylor Trask. And Todd A., um, and- alternately called Ned's Head. Yeah, we talked about Ned's head a little bit. I'm with you though, and I don't want it to be you know so meta or so like of another of another show or property that it kind of feels too pigeonholed. You know, it could be a great Game of Thrones specific show. Um, And there's a game called Ned's Head too that you showed, which looks fascinating. Yeah, and incredible. I would love to have some sort of tie-in with that game because basically, as I understand it, you dissect some guy's head. Yeah. It's like a, it's an actual. It's, it was probably in the in kind of the heyday of you know '90s board games when like after Operation or Mousetrap, they're like, what else could we do? What can we make that you pull out of a box and it's like this you know Mr. Potato Head kind of thing? It was super cool. Anyway, so totally. we're back and we're doing a special featured sort of episode. Um, normally we have our segments and you know one of those segments is featured presentation. On our last episode, we didn't quite get to the the featured presentation we wanted to do, so we're gonna just spend this episode talking only about that and throw this up and hopefully you guys like it and we'll get back to the normal flow after this so we're calling this episode 2.5 2.5 and today's featured presentation bum, 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 is about well, two- i should i oh. probably should have done that oh i'm sorry you go, you go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, i can't do it with as much verve as you just did today's featured presentation is brought to you by todd and taylor and especially taylor Sharing his thoughts on Tomorrowland and summer movies in general. Yeah, so we had we had it on the docket to talk about the movie Tomorrowland because I, ever since the first trailer came out, I can't remember how long ago, last fall even, I was kind of jazzed about this movie. Um, very little was known about it other than Brad Bird directing. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, George Clooney's in it in some capacity. The role was mysterious, and so that seemed pretty solid. Damon Lindelof of Lost fame. If you remember him and Carlton Cuse uh, ran Lost, was writing it. And that was kind of a mixed bag because some people hate him and some people really like him. I was sort of hopeful. I thought, okay, well, this could be cool. And then they just generally had something to do with Disney. And then as kind of as we got closer to summer, they released more things. And then that first trailer, I don't know if you remember seeing that first trailer in the theaters or anywhere else, but it's the one where the girl, she's, she's kind of in, um, she's getting out of prison and she's getting her stuff, or jail, not prison. She's getting some of her stuff and they give her this pin. And as soon as she touches the pin, she's transported to another world, um, you know, with the grass and this big kind of futuristic city in the distance. And she, unti- you know, she lets go of the pin and she's back. Like that was incredibly interesting to me. And I just thought this, this looks like a movie that was, you know, completely up my alley. And I think at one point, didn't we talk about female protagonists? Because I can't remember where you stand on that. I'm, I no, we definitely did. And I think that was. Um, I think we even mentioned Tomorrowland in our very first episode, episode zero. Yes. Um, and we've probably mentioned female protagonists several times, but we were both big fans of yeah. female-led uh, yeah. movies like that. So huge fan of that. And so that everything yeah. just kind of seemed to be like lined up to make this like my favorite movie of the summer. And I was e- really bummed I didn't get to see it over Memorial Day when it debuted. Uh, so I saw it the weekend after, which is now like what two, three weeks since then two weeks ago right um went to alamo draft house of course and (laughs) the movie starts and and right away i I knew something was a little off because it starts with george clooney and the girl's voice in the background and they're kind of they're you can tell that they're they're talking to you from after the events of the movie so they're kind of already giving away like well these two survive and you know here they and right off the bat and it cuts to, you know, they show George Clooney's childhood and, like, how he got to Tomorrowland. It shows the girl's childhood in real time. And it kind of walk, you know, brings you up to that point. And right away, you, you, you get that this is probably a movie that's really aiming towards 
nine to 12 year olds, just with the way they're talking and kind of the, the overall, it just, it reminded me a lot of movies that I liked when I was nine or 12 that I just, I don't have time or appreciation for now. And so that was kind of a red flag right off the bat. And it, it concerned me because I was, I was sort of of the mind, you, you've seen the movie Contact, right? Um, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey and like, no, uh, I have not you, seen that. Well, this we're gonna, we're, you know what? We're gonna do a show soon, an episode of just all the movies that Todd needs to see. And we're gonna put them on a list, and I'm just gonna go through and give like the case by case reason as to why you need to spend an entire week just catching up. Contact came out about 20 years, yeah, 95. It's 20 years ago. Um, fantastic movie, one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Um, I still, I, I probably bust it out once a quarter, at least twice a year, and then rewatch it because it's so freaking good. But there's a there's a sense in that movie. The reason I bring it up, there's a sense in that movie that the girl, like Jodie Foster, when she's a girl, because they show her early life too, very much a a strong, you know, like very well educated, you know, kind of uh, kind of a character. It's not not too chitsy. It's not too schmaltzy or anything like that. So I, I kind of thought Tomorrow Land would be, would be more in that vein. And it cleared from the beginning that wasn't the case. Well, and I would say even from that first trailer, which I didn't see very early, I saw it only a few months ago, um, but it, it definitely didn't seem like this is going to be a movie for kids at all. No, I, exactly. I, I saw it as... Uh, George Clooney is the audience, you know, like stand in and like, yeah. that's how we're, we're, we're the adult looking, you know, into the child's world through this movie, but not, you know, yeah. not the reverse. So at the risk of, I don't want to give away too many spoilers just in case I, I probably will end up spoiling some things for you. So if you don't want to know, if you, if you want a good empirical review about this movie, keep listening. If you don't want to know anything going into it, probably wait until the end. Um, <laughs> But the whole point of this movie is this girl is trying to get to Tomorrowland through one way, or, you know, one means or another. And so you think, okay, that's the premise of this movie. You know, about ha- at least by the halfway point, she should get there. And then, you know, once she's there, you should figure out, you know, it, you should be in the world. The whole idea is like we're, you know, we as the audience are going to get to this world. I hate to say this, but at, you know, at, in a two-hour movie, they don't get there until like the ninety-minute mark, like. Showing you Tomorrowland, they show it to you in the beginning with like, you know, the kind of the flashbacks and they show it to you when she's doing, you know, she picks up the pin and everything. But then you don't see it again until much, 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 much later in the movie. And I, as, once we hit that halfway point and they weren't even anywhere close to getting there, I knew I was like, oh, no, something I, 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 I knew that was another red flag hitting me there. And so a lot of their a lot of their movies time is just wasted on them kind of just meandering around the world, you know, they, and they use like different kind of means of transportation. And you're like, you, every time they do, you think, Oh, this is how they get there. And instead that just gets them from one side of the world to the other. And you're like, okay, well maybe, okay, maybe this is it. And then they finally, the way, and how they end up getting back to it is so convoluted. And so ridiculous that I just, I was taken completely out of the movie. So they, when they finally get there, a couple things are, just re- were really bothersome to me. They show, you know, the kind of this, this wonderful picturesque, you know, sort of, uh, you know, wonderful view of humanity's future. If we're all optimistic in the beginning, when they finally get there, that vision has kind of faded. A lot of Tomorrowland is, is sort of run down and, and, you know, decrepit and, and they don't ever explain why. Like they get there and you're like, oh my God. And then even George Clooney's like, oh, this used to be so much better. And then they never, it's never explained why that is. It's never explained what happens. Hugh Laurie is running around from the beginning as sort of like the president. Um, and at one point, it's, it's, it, from what the way I understood it, he, his character sends these robot assassins out after George Clooney and the girl and other people who are with him. 
And, and so that they're trying to evade these assassins. But then once they get there, it's not like Hugh Laurie's character is like, oh, we can finally kill you now. It's like, oh, hey, well, let's just, uh, I'll show you around. And it, it proceeds to just take them around and there's nothing really menacing about him at all. Um, you know, so it's like that was, you, you kind of expected like some sort of like, you know, Wizard of Oz, like, you know, he's, he's you know, a corrupt Wizard of Oz kind of character. And it's sort of there, but not really. So the whole thing just kind of, you know, after all this buildup, it just, it just doesn't do anything. Um, and it just kind of, and then you, the credits start rolling and you're like, huh. And the entire time you, I did that thing where you're so jazzed about something. And then when it's so disappointing, you kind of start to, in your mind go, well, maybe I missed, maybe I missed it. Maybe I misunderstood or maybe, maybe with repeat watchings, it'll get better. And then as I was walking out to my car, I'm just like, no, oh, man, that, that was, that was a terrible movie. That was a really, that was really bad. Like hmm. there were some good, there were some, you know, minor good moments, like some cool things that happened, but none of them served the story. And they're just kind of cool set pieces, and I'm just like this whole, this whole, the the movie that they they, it the the problem with this is it was a fantastic marketing campaign, trying to do something with a terrible movie, and the marketing well, campaign was a, created created the sense of a movie that was far beyond what we got, and it's just it was disappointing to say the least. You were gonna say well, something? It, no, it it sounds like uh, it, it would be hard for you to pin down. <laughs> maybe the most disappointing aspect of it. But I'm wondering if you, if you see it as mostly like, is it a failure of story that they, you know, they tried to cover in the marketing or um, was it, was it the execution? I mean, was it, I think it was everything, you know, and the script itself on the face of it looks terrible. I think, you know, and, and mm. I want to, I need to go back and read some reviews with Brad Bird because I'm curious what his thoughts were when he got that script, like how much of the, what we saw on screen was, you know, from a story standpoint, his, how much of it was just in the script. Um, cause you, well, he wrote it with Lindelof. Did he really? I mean, at least that's, those are the credits I'm seeing. From what I understand, Lindelof did most of the work though. Maybe, maybe it was an equal thing. I, you know, Brad Bird, for those who don't, who aren't familiar, Incredibles, um, Iron Giant, if I'm not mistaken, had some yeah. involvement there. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, one of my probably the best Mission Impossible movie, which was which is saying a lot. Um, Ratatouille, Ratatouille. Like so, this dude is. It, I mean, visually, I mean, he can do him. He can direct a movie. He can direct a hell of a movie, and he understands stories. So that it's disappointing and just strange, uh, more than anything, that this ended up the way it did. I'll, to answer your question, though, I think from a story standpoint. Um, if you were to take if you were to take out all the set pieces and chase scenes and just random you know no non just dialogue that doesn't go anywhere, the story is essentially girl wants to go to Tomorrowland, uh, girl finds George Clooney, George Clooney reluctantly eventually helps her get to Tomorrowland. They get to Tomorrowland and they it's not, I, I can't even finish that sentence because it's not even clear like what their intention is once they get there. <laughs> and then to make it worse, and this is kind of the, the really sort of the, the, the nail in the coffin, there's a couple moments throughout where one of the characters, it's either the girl or even Hugh Laurie, monologue on for about three to five minutes about, you know, just like, you know, people, you know, uh, humanity just isn't optimistic anymore about anything. We're all so, you know, caught up in disaster and, you know, wishing ourselves doom and everything and not reaching for the stars and blah, 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 blah. And it comes across so heavy handed that you almost want to like go, well, you almost feel offended that you're being lectured to. And that's, and I think the, I think the original point was that this, you know, those are supposed to serve as almost like inspirational sort of moments for people, but it comes off so like I, it was so obnoxious. And then all of a sudden, like instead of furthering story, it's like Hugh Laurie literally stops and, and, and lectures us like a professor. 
shelter for an inordinate amount of time. And that was, I just, oh. Well, and it seems like, especially with that and the fact that it's Disney and, you know, a lot of these other clues, I mean, you know, just... I, it seems like it would it would resolve into some in the, to some hopeful futuristic yeah, vision, yeah. and it it sounds like you didn't get that at all. Not at like all. It, none, none of that happened. And then at the very very end, they so so oh, this is a major spoiler. At the very one of the one of the points, the pin that you see in the trailer, the little pin that they pick up, yeah. is actually a holographic pre-programmed invitation. So when you're picking it up, you're not actually seeing real time Tomorrowland. You're seeing a sort of a, 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 a fully three dimensional video, you know, promotion video that they put together for Tomorrowland. Okay. So at the very end, once once they've gotten rid of Hugh Laurie in the most ridiculous 90s supervillain way possible, um, they, they're sitting there and they're creating new pins and they're like, and they show they show them distributing the pins across the world. And I kid you not, they get every single race, ethnicity, um, gender equality, uh, uh, sexual orientation, age, like they cover every social demographic you can possibly think of to get one of these pins, which I thought was really, it, it was almost like, and then, and just when you're like, I wonder if they're going to show, uh, I don't know, a, an Asian woman judge. There they go. I wonder if they're going to show a, um, a white uh, African safari hunter. There he is. What about a black one? There he is. It's just like they can't, literally everything you could possibly want. Well, which is amusing because the, you know, the, Spoilers that I read on Wikipedia, not spoilers, but the you know the plot that I read t- so that we could have this conversation said that it's it starts um, with Clooney and uh, I guess some other character seeing the it's a small world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. at the end of oh, man, so, I didn't even so put that end, together. when they oh, God, put the pins right. together, you're literally walking through it's a small the world. The real world. Yeah, I did. Oh, that didn't even occur to me. It's exactly what it is. It's it. That, the only thing that would make that better is if they just you know in the background had. Like had that annoying the theme. song playing. You know playing. what, though? I should go back and see if the theme that they're playing, <laughs> like the, just the orchestral theme, isn't some variation of that because that would just make it... I would almost I would almost just tip my hat just for that because that would be so heavy. Oh, and it, anyway, it's the whole <laughs> the whole thing is just a, is a shitty movie being cre- that, that had an amazing marketing campaign. Like that trailer and just well, even the promotional uh, images. I'm like, oh, this could have been so much more. And I just... But, uh, you know, that marketing campaign, to me... Uh, consisted of just trying to lure in people with the mystery of it. Because yeah. what I said in our very first podcast when we talked about it was, I just don't even know what it's about. Yeah. And like hear, hearing you describe it now, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> so, so I don't um, think it knew what it was about. You know, and, and here- but but you know that was the attraction to Lost. Yeah. So I mean, that's definitely uh, like a Lindelof yeah. kind of move, which is it, nobody. So, for example, I you know I didn't watch Lost. Um, <gasps> I watched all of the second season. I went back to start it over and probably watched half of the first season and just didn't care. Um, wow. Oh, you missed it right before. See, I only started on season three because that was when they were like, "This is only going to be six seasons, and we have a point." There's a point to all this, right? And I was like, "Okay." And I buy into those things that are a mystery with a point. But, you know, so when I came to it as, like, the outsider where season one had already happened, season two was underway, and I, and I thought, I don't know what the show is about. You know, and I just don't care. But the people who cared enough to investigate, they were kind of rewarded by yeah. that, you know, that, that curiosity. Um, and so I would say that, that that was the marketing campaign for Tomorrowland. Oh, cool. which yeah, was that, like, and that's fine. And I don't, I don't, and, and to me that's, and that's a fine marketing campaign because it alludes to, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe I am, am too 
susceptible. Maybe my brain works in such a way that when you show me something with that, with, you know, that's mysterious, I fill in the gaps and kind of try to create something far grander than it could be. Sometimes well, that, that's, that works. That's though. the big problem with, uh, with, with pursuing that path. You know I mean? If you're, um, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna trade in mystery, you gotta, <laughs> you know, you gotta deliver later. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's the problem with the, and not just mystery, but I mean, that's, that's something we discuss uh, in other themes about other, you know, works, uh, Game of Thrones. It's sort of like, if you're gonna trade in, you know, in vengeance, then you gotta see some vengeance once in a while. That's true. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, or, yeah. or, uh, and one thing that I thought was, you know, a, a show that's in- incredibly satisfying to me was Mad Men and that, um, you know, even the, the mystery and the character and the work and all that, like, they really promised a lot. And, and in my mind, they delivered mm-hmm. on everything. So, um, but you had, it was like an act of faith to kind of meet them there, you yeah, know, and yeah. say, you're not going to screw up this finale, you know? Yeah. And well, and that's how, that's the same way it was with Lost, too. See, and I, it's, it's interesting because I have, uh, here's my, my faux pas is that I have not watched most of Mad Men. I've seen like a couple of select episodes and I'm like, one day, I'll, I'll go through. I, I realize it's amazing. I understand that. I just haven't had time. Well, um, as I said, you know, like, as I was told, um, when, I, 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 when I got into the Smiths, even at a young age, you know, they were already broken up and everything. And, uh, um, but I had friends who'd been listening to them for a couple of years. And I remember telling this friend, like, I'm so excited, you know, cause I know like they're done. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll never, they'll never not be perfect you know uh, and yeah. my, my friend goes yeah you're right the smiths are never gonna make a bad album <laughs> they've already true. made them all yeah, yeah and they're all perfect yeah. and that's that's mad men to me you know i mean that's the I same thing that. like you can go back to it at any time any place they never screwed it up yeah. don't worry well that's but to, to your point the whole promise of and and Lindelof and, and Q's would, would even say in their podcast, are like, we're training you to watch the show in a certain way, so that you expect, yeah. you know, so you expect payoff. And then season, the final season of Lost six, you know, they set up all these things, and you're like, and I remember distinctly going at the beginning of the season, like, okay, they got, they have a whole season to now start giving us answers. But halfway through, I'm like, they have eight episodes left to start giving us some answers, and they gave a few. True, you know. To be fair, they gave a few, but not n- anything as exciting or as, as satisfying as, as I think most wanted. And then we get to the finale, and you're like, okay, they've they've got. It. Surely this episode will just be a bombardment of answers and satisfying conclusions. Halfway through the episode, they've got they've got 30 minutes left to give t- 10 10 minutes now, and then the credits start going. You're like, okay, well maybe there's like a post credits punch that that'll be like everything will. Ne-. And then 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 Jimmy Kennel starts, and you're like, okay. Well, it was a lot of, and that was kind of the same. Maybe sort Jimmy of, Kimmel's going to wrap this up for yeah, us. Yeah, maybe Jimmy Kimmel will show some kind of secret, like here, here's ten minutes that will be in. I, by that point, I just I had bailed out, and I just kind of sat there, sort of like, oh, and and that's I had a modicum of that with Tomorrowland, where I was just like, I was so excited for something more than this. Like I don't, and and I'm, I like that you brought up shows, and just TV in general, Mad Men, well, and, and these things, because because for me. This speaks to a larger trend that we're seeing, where movies, and specifically summer movies, are are kind of banking off this. You know, the the, the they either have to be complete spectacle, like Avengers, um, or they have to be. Remember those that we were talking before about just quiet moments, quiet moment movies that are you know like Ex Machina. Um, and if you try to if you try to aim for that sort of that nice juicy middle. Uh, you have to really commit or you're going to fail hard like Tomorrowland did because 
there are these amazing, like, there are these amazing 12-hour movies called TV shows now that do exactly that in spades. You know, whether it be Mad Men or Lost or Daredevil, or, or not Lost, but Daredevil or, you know, any of these things. Sure, and even though I make that statement about, you know, Mad Men's never, never going to disappoint you, that's, that's such a rarity. And even, but the advantage that television has is when they do slip up, you know, when there's an episode that you, you don't, connect with as much they've already got a they've got another chance to make it up you know like you know especially what we've been seeing over the you know uh, this season of game of thrones where i've kind of uh stopped watching it and when we uh kind of discussed doing this episode last week you made the reference you said um let's re-reference this most recent game of thrones episode because that's what you're judging against Mm -hmm. as far as amazing television versus uh a lazy summer movie. Yeah, yeah. So is that something where you see, like, maybe what we've been talking about, where there's the promise of of payoff, and then that last episode was you getting the payoff you wanted to see? Well, there we go. Okay, so let's let's take Game of Thrones specifically as as the example, and and, and it's 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 a good it's good you reminded me of that because that episode came out a week after I saw Tomorrowland, and it served as this juxtaposition where it's like, on one hand, I spent you know twelve fourteen bucks when food is involved to go see a movie. That you know, I'd see to you know, ninety minutes to two hours of kind of a disappointing thud. When for you know, I think well, it's my HBO. Uh, I think I'm still free on HBO now. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, uh, to see like you know, ni- uh, sixty minutes of amazing freaking. Te- actually, really twenty minutes of amazing freaking television that beat by far anything I saw in the theater that week. And that episode of you know that episode was. It wasn't just that last 20 minutes. There was a lot of amazing things like we discussed. You know, there's Daenerys and, T- and Tyrion meeting up. There's all these cool things that happened. But that last 20 minutes was so unexpected because it wasn't in the books. There wasn't any way you could, you know, spoil itself, you know, spoil it for yourself or have a book person, you know, hint at it. At it, coming. <laughs> it was completely unexpected. It was, com- it was perfectly choreographed. The tension, the drama that built up, everything about it was so amazing. And I, the whole time I just kept thinking, this should be a movie. This whole episode is a movie right now. Um, and say what you will about the season so far, I, you know, when this is all said and done, I'm going to come back and when I rewatch Game of Thrones, I'm going to be eagerly anticipating this episode or might just skip to it you know do maybe in each season pick three or four episodes that are my favorites and just run through those again and this will be top of that list because it was so everything about it was amazing and i just feel like we're this is the first summer and i i i'll preface this by saying i have traditionally been a huge summer movie fanboy, you know, to the point where there's a lot of people, you know how people have, you know, basketball, you know, like uh, NCAA bra- brackets and <laughs> March. This is your season. This is, well, and then even to where people will do like fantasy football or fantasy basketball, like I, I have been in the past part of fantasy movie leagues where we pick which movies are going to, you know, summer movies are going to be the, the top grocers and you have like, you know, a certain amount of, you know, fake money that you use to buy your picks and, um, yeah, and I, so I've, I've really gotten into it in summers past. It's the first summer where I'm kind of like in a long time, actually, where I've kind of just been like, I don't know. And, and what started off as, with a bang with Avengers has kind of just turned tepid with, with, uh, Tomorrowland. And then I'm not really that thrilled about Ant-Man and maybe that will, maybe it'll turn me around by just people seeing it and talking about it. But, um, I think the only other thing this summer that I'm really interested in now is, um, Mission Impossible. That's pretty hmm. much, I mean, I'm. And I'm sure there will be a, another movie or two that will pop up that will maybe surprise me or people will be like, oh, you got to see it. And I will, but I'm just like, I don't know, man. I, just, I, that really put a, a sort of a sour note in my, 
in my palate just for, for these things. I don't know. But it just it, at the same time, all this amazing TV is at my disposal, you know? And, and, yeah. and I, I feel like I could, with such limited time to consume media, I feel like I could spend, it be, would be better spent on, you know, either, you know, comic series or these shows that are, are more fulfilling at this juncture. Yeah. And that's, um, <laughs> that's, that's, I, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say the stakes are higher for, um, movies than TV because in my mind, like if I've, you know, I, I don't know what the, where the payoff is better because there are movies that I will go back to, like you mentioned with contact where I'll watch every year, yeah. you know, and that's not necessarily the case with, you know, like with Mad Men, um, I'm definitely going to rewatch it, but because it's such a piece, yeah. I'm going to have to watch it in order. Oh, uh, sure. You know, it's not like I'm going to just go, oh, you know what? That one episode in season five was great. Yeah. I mean, that, that might happen, but it's, it's such a commitment. It's almost like I can love a movie more because I can, I can revisit it so much more frequently. True, but then at the same time, I, every year I have a standing appointment to rewatch the two seasons of Carnival start to finish. And it is a start to finish because that is... Just like with Mad Men and you, like I can't, you cannot watch that out of order. Like every, it's like a perfectly constructed symphony that if you take one piece out, the ending is gonna not make any sense to you, or it's not gonna have that emotional resonance that it does. When like there's a scene in the last episode of Carnival where if you watch it to that point, and that's if you were just to watch the episode normally, you'd be like, oh, that was good, that was good. But if you've watched up to that point, there's a scene that takes my breath away every time. And it's like the culmination of every little thread and strand that they put together comes together in that scene. And it's just, even talking about it, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Oh, God. Um, and I, there are movies where I have that, but I'm like, I, I'm just, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like we're at this crossroad. And we've been at this crossroads for a while, but it's very, it's very poignant to me now more than ever where what would have been, you know, like, you know, I'm going to see these summer movies around Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, clear my calendar to see these movies this summer. It's going to be now like, well, I might go see a movie this summer or two, but I'm going to clear my calendar for other stuff. Like, I feel like it's just, they've, they've lost out for me personally, kind of in that race to, to be the top content in my, in my world. Like I, uh, movies in a theater. I mean, not, and I'm specifically kind of looking at summer movies. I'm not going to stop going to movies in general. Well, let's mention the one, the one movie you put in our notes for the summer. <laughs> Terminator Genesis. Oh God, that's a gr- okay. <laughs> and I will, I won't st- steal your your punchline there. But you made this hilarious note that, that I, I mean, I, you made a note that I thought was hilarious in our in our uh, show notes. Well, it's uh, so 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 this this speaks this is completely the best example of of kind of summer movies gone wrong that you can think of, where it lo- it's entirely pointless. And it has the, whereas Tomorrowland had a really great marketing campaign, Terminator Genesis has the weirdest, most bizarre marketing campaign I've ever seen where they will, they've literally, in everything I've seen, have spoiled half the movie with their twists and their trailers. It's just like, it's, it's useless. It's a useless summer movie. And the trailer, and if you've seen any of the trailers for Terminator Genesis, like, um, they've already revealed, you know, obviously Arnold's in it. They're going to make that a selling point. But like right away, they're like, well, Arnold's a good guy this time. And, you know, uh, Kyle Reese gets killed and or, uh, John Connor gets killed. And then like, maybe he is a term like all these things, these moments that would otherwise be like the big like, oh, you know, moment in the movie where that's, you know, everyone gasps or it's, it's kind of the turning point. They're just 
packing them into every other picture or trailer. Like there was a cover. I remember like a couple months ago, their Entertainment Weekly had like a series of covers come out kind of to, to, as the start of the marketing campaign. And on one of those covers was freaking Matt Smith from Doctor Who who's standing there. And, and it was known that he was cast, but it was very very mysterious as to who he was or what his point was. Well, he was not only on the cover, but there's a lot of stuff like in the, in the, in the kind of the copy where it's like, Oh, he might, you know, he's probably going to be a, another a good Terminator who helps, uh, who helps them. I'm like, would you really want to reveal that? Like this early in the game? It's, <laughs> it's almost like they're just kind of throwing everything out at us going, Hey, this you, come see this. And it, you know, this is good. You like that, right? You know, you never saw that coming. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see a movie where you've spoiled half of it. Like, there's no sense of and and to take to tie that back to Game of Thrones, I think is the most important part. <laughs> well, I wanted to tie it into more Terminator movies well, because I've thought ever like since two, they've all been useless, and I, I it's just the whole they're they are such they're like the perfect they're like uh, the freaking transporter movies or something. Yeah. I'm like, who who cares at all? Why is this a franchise? Quote unquote. Like, I um. On my blog, there's like a a one short little post from 2008 where – because I was in Hall H at San Diego Diego Comic-Con in 2008 for the Terminator panel because I was waiting for probably the Pixar panel afterwards or something like that. This is the Christian Bale one, right? Yeah, and and Common was in it. And, uh, you know, the comment on my blog from – you know, the comment I made was uh, Common saying – this movie is fly and everyone's going to love it. And I'm like looking around the room at 6,000 people going – who even cares? Yeah. And they were screaming for it. Like wow. they, you know, but uh, people scream for stuff in Hall H. But I, I just thought like, I, who cares? It doesn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. And it's, not, it's not the 80s. Like I don't, this makes, I, I, I have no, uh, those things that get turned into franchises like that, like Taken or like Transporter oh, or Taken. anything yeah, like that, where it's just like, man. hey, we know we can, you know, throw a few million at this, put it out in the middle of the summer and. You know, they just they time the weekend right. And well, it's funny you mentioned Taken because crazy. Taken was one of those movies that was a. It's exactly what I would want, where it's a pleasant surprise. It's like, wow, this works way better than it should. Um, it's a it's a self contained story. It's done. Like we don't need to see any. Like he, he right. won, and like we it, that's all we need. And all of a sudden, like oh, it, it happened to him again. And it's a, it was the most Home Alone two movie yeah. I've seen since Home Alone 2 where it's literally exactly the same movie just rewashed a second time and I'm like yeah. I don't oh. and that just it, I understand I understand that movies are made to make money and a studio you know when they see something that makes money they're like how can we do that again and make more money I get it I understand that but with so much stuff out there so much you know creative output more than ever before in human history I feel like that alone can't be that can't govern their decisions anymore. Like why, instead of making another taken, couldn't they have devoted that same budget to another completely, you know, surprising movie that just, you know, knocks your socks off and is original and interesting. And then you can, you know, just keep doing that. Like, I don't, this can't be that hard. There's gotta be enough script or maybe there's a, a, a TV pilot. That's like, Oh, this would be a even better movie. And they can take that. I don't know. I, I, I just, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> Run, one, well, oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, um, you 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 made a comment last week when we were talking about this uh, offline, which was, uh, you know, they, they they need to raise their game or get better at making ninety minute movies. Yes, and I, I think that was in response to us talking about how one of the um, like gratuities or is that the right word that people have been taking with you know that 
they make with a summer movie is, well, it's got to be two hours. Or it's got to be two and a half hours yeah. or something. And it's like, dude, if you could just make a 90-minute movie that kicked ass for 90 minutes, it would be incredible. And the, the movie we brought up uh, as an example of that, I believe, was Pacific Rim. Oh, yes. Um, you Thank know, which you. was like, this is a new story. It wasn't based on an existing storyline. There weren't, you know, there, there were no comic books. There's no source material. Yeah. And in, in a, as I recall, a pretty swift time, like it, you know, you knew the whole story. It started right in the middle. It started in like, you know, whatever it was, five, seven years into the uh, kaiju, the kaiju invasion, battle, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, what? And it was just like, that was the perfect way to do it. And we, it, it explained everything to us in an, uh, in a way that we got, even though some of the concepts like the, you know, um, the drift were, were a little complex and weird. We still got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and instead we're getting these films that are two and a half hours long. And it's like, you know, you can't, I, I don't even understand from your description of Tomorrowland what it's about. Uh, yeah. And I, I, that makes me think, like, I don't, I don't think you understood what it's about. I, you know? I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not pretending to. You know, I, I took away with what I took away. Uh, Pacific Rim's... Which was, oh, go ahead. No, I mean, which was, like, made Ex Machina so great. I need to see you know? that now. It's, it's quiet. It's, uh, it, it's totally compelling. It's short. It probably didn't cost a lot of money to make. You know, yeah. why, why not make... 30 of those exactly. why not make a movie of that for every week of the summer rather than like five of these quote tent tentpole <sighs> movies that are you know where you're risking everything on on this well, thing that's tanking. just it so the, the argument will be and i remember when lone ranger came out the guy whoever was kind of head of production at disney at the time because disney was the studio behind lone ranger remember at the at one point lone ranger was greenlit they were going to start making it. They got pre-production done, and they pulled the plug because it was like it was the budget had run away from them. It was already like 150 to 200 million. They're like, we can't, we can't release this. We're not going to make that back. <laughs> and at that time, the head of Disney production—I forget exactly the name—but you can, I'm sure you can Google it and find it. He was he made this really sort of frank sort of article about the value of tent poles and what they are. And he's like, we can't bank anymore on smaller 20 to 30 you know 30 to 40 million dollar movies uh getting enough audience and generating enough money it's like we can't do that anymore it doesn't work so it's like we have to make tent poles that concede the idea or the 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 need the the um the impetus to see the movie in other media so like with tron legacy even though that didn't we're not getting a sequel anymore they had the tron animated series on disney xd they had you know tie-in media they had like little like teaser videos they had all these different things that you're you're familiar with the brand which is why marvel and dc do so well because you have all these other media in which you yeah. can seed the idea of what iron man is you can watch the iron man yeah. cartoon you can watch the you know, read the iron man comics you can go to the you know any of those things work so i feel like Part of their sort of struggle with Lone Ranger was the last time Lone Ranger had been out was, you know, last time anybody gave a shit about Lone Ranger was in the 50s or 60s when, you know, there was a, a show. And that was it. And that's a long time ago. It'd be like doing a, um, a uh, what's the, like, guns, well, not guns, but what's the, uh, uh, Bonanza. It'd be like doing a Bonanza movie right now, <laughs> you know, where, you know, you and I may have, you, we've heard of Bonanza and probably watched an episode or two on TV, but the movie going public, you know, the, the vast majority of people aren't going to really give a shit about Bonanza. You know, as a movie, unless it was like you know all star casting of some kind, you know where it was like just yeah. you couldn't go wrong. So it's like that's where we are, and I want to. I would love your scenario is like a dream to me. You know, seeing a well conceived well, movie every week that's like on the level of, of Ex Machina that you could, if you make it inexpensively enough, you could make your money back. Assuming you know that you market it correctly and it's it's not just a total you know piece of crap. 
Well, and you're you know you're citing that that uh, that executive on Lone Ranger who said like that's why we have to we have to go all in on these tentpole yeah. movies. But I, I, I mean, he's right I, as far as I see it. And I don't know Dick about business, but uh, you know he's right in the sense that that's when you set up an expensive system like that, then you have to have you know payoff on these expensive things. But the problem I, I would see, you know, this is that he's going to get beaten by movies that cost less than a million yeah. because these, um, so because you and I follow pretty closely the, um, like the, like YouTube creator mm-hmm. movement, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and how cheap digital filmmaking is getting and how freaking good it's getting. And just this week, I know it was released maybe two weeks ago or something. Um, Kung Fury was, uh, was released and I, I blogged about it. So it's on my site if you want to check it out, but it's, I mean, Google it. It's anywhere. It's a 30 minute movie. They kickstarted. They wanted 200 K to, you know, finish it up and they got 630. Wow. Like it was crazy overfunded and it's the most entertaining 30 minutes you you know, will have seen in the in the last. I mean, excepting the the twenty minutes of of Game of Thrones yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that you saw last course, week. Yeah. I mean, it's it's perfect, and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> just like you said, you, you these studios got to raise their game or just get better at making ninety minute movies because the competition yeah. is kids with fifty thousand dollar cameras and yes. a great computer animation who can make something like Kung Fury. That's pure entertainment, and, you know. Just for I and mean, by the way, the audience for those things are, you know, the are, are you know fifteen to thirty year olds who had traditionally have been like the summer movie core audience. Like those are the people they try yeah. to get in. So if those kids are going, if they're looking at, I can watch this for free on YouTube and build a relationship with this creator, you know, and sign up for their email list or like you know make a com. You can't go into a movie theater and like leave a comment after the movie. Like I would love to. I mean, you can on like you know Rotten Tomatoes. You can do a review, but you the creator will see a comment you leave on YouTube. So there's a much more yeah. intimate thing going on there. And if the kid's going, I can either spend 30 minutes of my time. Um, watching this for free on YouTube and interact with it and know that it's always there to rewatch or spend, you know, 90 minutes or probably two hour plus in a theater on something that I'm not entirely sure is going to be interesting or good. Um, yeah, it's like that, that those decisions are going to swing to YouTube way more moving on. And I mean, I would watch a season of Kung Fury. Oh, that's awesome. If, if, if there were, if there were like a weekly Kung Fury. So if you gave this guy, like, let's say he's making 10 episodes yeah. and you just multi- multiply the Kickstarter by 10. If you gave him six and a half million dollars and I watched it every week and all the people who watched it on YouTube watched it every week. Isn't that like, so isn't that $6 million investment much yeah. better than yeah. <laughs> hundreds of millions into Tomorrowland or, or something? Or to Lone Ranger, which tanked. Or to Lone Ranger, like, yeah. That I know. was a massive, uh, like, a massive write-off for Disney, I'm sure. You know, there probably some bullshit of like, oh, it did well overseas. Uh, and maybe that, maybe some, some market it did. But <laughs> uh, you can't, I mean, and they're learning now, too, that, that overseas game can come back to bite you when the dollar was weaker the overseas market was a hugely lucrative opportunity for them now that the dollar's stronger a lot of those people who had budgeted you know s- you know strong chinese or or european um you know revenues from those movies are, are freaking out now because they're like oh crap if we don't do well in america we're going to really be hosed so it's like it's it's a constantly it's a game of you know it's constantly moving around um musical chairs that's what i was trying to reference i want to go back <laughs> to pacific rim though because that you know, when yeah. we're talking about getting better at doing 90-minute movies, that is a that is probably the bullseye example of what you can bring up. Because unlike The Dark Knight Returns or any of those kinds of things, which me, it, I, it was a fine movie, but God, some of these in the last two or three years, we've been seeing these two-hour-plus movies that just meander on and try to cram as much as they can. 
Pacific Rim knew what it was from the outset. It's, it's like, we're, you're here to see a robot punch a giant monster in the face. Yeah. Like, that's all you're here. We're, we're, we're not going to stand in the way of that. We're, we're going to give you that. We're going to we'll put some light salad dressing around the sides, you know, to kind of just give you, you know, something. And, and, the, and they drop you right into the world. It's not like there's, there wasn't like a, a, an hour long, you know, sort of study on how we created the kite, you know, how we created the Jaegers. Like, well, there was one guy and he's, his wife died. And we're, you know, by the end of the movie, you see Jaeger version one, you know, up and right. Like, there's none of that. And maybe, and maybe that will come in future movies. I mean, who, who knows? But like, there's, it drops you right in. The you know, first thing you see right out of the gate is a giant, uh, Jaeger head like flying down and attaching to the body and that thing goes out to battle and you're like yeah and it's right <laughs> off the bat and then even like the main character like you know they, there's you know there's like a there's a you know, male character and a female character and like in any other movie they there'd be like a love story between the two and there's one I mean it's kind of sort of hinted at but there's never like there's never like they don't take time out to, to deal with that they're like any time that we're going to use here is either going to be on something that's that's going to psych you up to see robots fight monsters. Like that's all that, that we need. Even to the point where you have freaking Idris Elba reciting a line straight out of Independence Day where he's like, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to win back the apocalypse. You know, it's like he's standing on a, a you know, a military piece of, you know, equipment or something. So it's like, <laughs> it knew what it was. It was, and by the time it was done, like I have rarely have I gone to a movie where people are literally fist pumping in the theater. And by the time it's done, you're, you're almost high with energy. Cause you're like, this is, it was, it was such a compact, wonderful start to finish kind of, you know, thrill ride. And I'm like, yeah. that was, that was kind of the epitome of what for me should be. If you're not going to be inception, you need to be that because I feel like I, <laughs> I saw Pacific Rim on opening day at like 4 p.m. with a friend who had already seen it. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, he saw the midnight showing. He came to work and he was like, we're leaving early <laughs> to see this movie. I, I, compl- I understand. But you're right. If it's not going to be Inception where it's so mind boggling and like, you know, like uh, it, where it has that intellectual component where you're, you're pulled into this world and everything, then it... It should just be the, you know, the ass kicking. And you had you had brought up Dark Knight when we were talking about this last week about um, when we offline when you were talking about Tomorrowland and saying like it, um, Tomorrowland. I think this is what you said. Like Dark Knight Rises, Tomorrowland would have been great if it just dropped you in the middle of the action. Like, and you had said, imagine if Dark Knight Rises opened with the bridge blowing. Yeah, and that, and, and that's not a, an original idea to me, but like a, a couple of people have suggested, like you know that scene where. Bane, you know, sever, you know, he blows up the stadium. The bridges start collapsing. Imagine if that was the opening shot, and they're like, you know, you see like Gotham, and they show you kind of the, you know, like seven years has passed since you know the Joker was put away or something like that, and then all of a sudden that just starts happening, and the entire movie is. Batman has to figure out what the hell, like what happened, who who's behind it. You know, they don't. There's no Catwoman. There's no freaking Talia Al Ghul. There's none of this. It's just Bane and Bane versus Batman, and Bane, you know, ends up being this incredibly complex character that's behind all it. But we get to learn that little by little throughout, you know, Batman's sort of investigation into that world. And you can have all that. You, know, you can have a lot of the same stuff that was in The Dark Knight, re- you know, Returns, but it doesn't have to be so goddamn convoluted. Because it just seems like they they pack so much stuff in there, and they're like, oh, and there's like this bomb, and for whatever reason, yeah. we can't just. I mean, it, the, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest sort of thing I had with Dark Knight Returns is they spent all that time and energy and effort and political maneuvering to to lace the concrete of Gotham with explosives. And they did all yeah. that when they could have just blown up the city. Instead, they needed to go get this doctor who's the only one who knows how to detonate this bomb. 
I mean, they could have just, they could imagine if Bane just got a dirty bomb. Like, why do we need to go through all these, like, to all this extent to, like, get a, you know, get the scientist off this plane and then capture him? It's like, we don't need all that. Like, it could just been a, just a bomb. Like, clearly, well, it could yeah, be done. And in my opinion, like, that worked, but it's such the rare exception. And the problem is that, like, when that works, it just makes all these copycat movies where, yeah. um, because part of what you're describing, I see in, a, a, a trend with so many movies where the acceleration towards a, like the what the thing that I think is the climax mm-hmm. is like they're like we're not out of the woods yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of the like you know and I you know granted I don't I, I would if they were all formulaic I would bitch about that too but it's it's almost becoming a formula where there's like a false climax yeah. and then there's an even bigger climax and it's like man just you know like uh, uh pick one yeah. like just resolve this like i don't want to sit in the movie all night yeah, you know yeah. um we so when we brought that up i and i have, have now since uh, googled it and verified there was a, a wired article in 2009 about asylum uh cinema or picture asylum pictures or movies whatever their other oh, word yeah, is yeah. The, the guys that make um they made sharknado but at the time they weren't known for sharknado they were known for you know like these weird radioactive piranha movies and and uh transmorphers and things where they just sort of you know stole an idea from someone else and wrote a new movie about mm-hmm. it they they did it in an atlantic rim if you oh, aware. that's right didn't that um, <laughs> didn't that one star um the american indian actor who's like you know graham green i think was in that um if i'm not oh, mistaken gosh. which i think he kind of played the idris elba role uh i need to go back and look well they um so in this wired article when they they did a this piece on him in 2009 had all this great interview where uh, and it, so I've looked it up. I'm looking at the quote. Don't think this is from memory. Where um, the, 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 I guess this the head of the studio said, when I talk to writers, I say, let's make a three-act movie. So you write your first act, you write your second act, your third act. We develop it. We get it really good. Now we take the first and second act. We throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> because I only want to make act three because that's where the drama is. Yeah, yeah. And it, to me, that is such a cool idea because we are... And, and that was one of the things that really succeeded about Ex Machina is like these other movies we're talking about is um, there's a, a sort of an, it's not even credits, but there's an opening scene, like a prologue scene um, with no dialogue where they very rapidly, they don't even explain it. You just realize this character has won a contest of some sort and he is traveling to some place. And within that, you know, he looks at his phone or you see it on the wall or something. You see the name of the company he works for. And next thing you know, he's, like on the helicopter flying to the dude's property, mm-hmm. you know? So y- you were just in the story. There's no, you know, they don't, you don't learn about his family and his, you know, like all these flashbacks. Well, it's like people, I think what, it's like, a lot of writers think or have gotten confused that, that, that showing all that stuff or giving people like tragic pasts counts as good character development. When it's like, it doesn't, and I'll throw, and I'll let you continue in just a second, I'll throw one more thing about Tomorrowland in the mix. My, my girlfriend who was with me at Tomorrowland made a really good point. This is a big spoiler. The girl's mother has apparently died, or it's, it's suggested she's died, but it's, it's, they don't show you that. They may be divorced for all we know, but she never mentions her mom like still being alive or anything, so it's suggested that the mom's dead. 
Right. There is no reason for that. No story reason. It doesn't satisfy anything. And my girlfriend at the, made a very specific point. She's like, why does every you know, female protagonist have to have a dead mom somewhere or a you know, mom removed from the equation? Why can't she just have a mom and a dad and like be, have a normal, like, why does that have to, why, why does she have to be damaged that way every time? And I started thinking back through all the different movies I like where there's a strong female protagonist. And sure enough, a lot of them, the mom's died or the mom is at least out of the equation and she's sick or something's gone wrong with the mom. And I'm like, that doesn't, it it seems like that's the crutch for character development where it's like, oh, the mom has to be sick for this female to be, have to go through, she can't be strong by herself. She has to have this. And I think just adding that superfluous stuff, you know, here's the family or here's like, here's the five people who, you know, whose mom, whose uh, whose parents did this just so that a Jaeger could be built for, it's like, we don't care about any, like, it's not necessary. We don't need it for the story. That's an interesting point too, because in Ex Machina there is, you know, there's a like a kind of a tragic, you know, there's there, are, there's a reason for this this you know protagonist's uh, character, mm-hmm. but the you know but the great part of it is he's been playing that character for you know 45 minutes or an hour or something before you ever learn anything about mm-hmm. his past, and then in the way that you learn about it, yeah, they probably could have done without it. I mean, he didn't necessarily need a reason to to you know to be this this to have this sort of you know um interior life they could mm-hmm. have just had a movie where he just had this interior life and you're you're it's kind of a mystery why is that way mm-hmm. you know but just even but even the way they revealed it was handled in such a better way that it's like you know we we don't <laughs> we um it had a, it had a reason mm-hmm. and you got it in like 2 seconds yeah. it didn't yeah. it didn't require flashbacks there wasn't like an exploration of it it just kind of you know it just sort of uh, buttoned up, uh, you know, another uh, another little thing that had been planted earlier. I so that. that's the way to do it. Like, that's just, yeah, um, it's a movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's not a novel. Yeah. Like, if you. Well, maybe that's. <laughs> or, maybe it's, that's... or it's not a TV series. Or it's, I mean, and to, you know, like where I've kind of complained or, or, or given bad voice to Game of Thrones lately, like, I mean, that's one of the great things about the show is that George Martin. Um, I'm not going through those initials every time I say his name, Grim. but he was given so many opportunities to make this as a movie yeah. or, you know, people, yeah. people would pitch the movie so many times and he was like, I'm not doing a movie. That's not going to sum it yeah. up, you know? Yeah. So they went with the show and, and that's like, man, that's, that's a great idea. I mean, if you want to make a, a three hour movie, why don't you think about making a, you know, a mini series yeah. or something yeah. for television, like television can be made at just the same quality. I, th- I think though yeah. you, you sort of summed it up perfectly by and, and this is kind of the crux of the point every every form factor has to be treated for what it is for for right. youtube for king fury like I, I mean do you really want to see a three or four hour king fury movie or is 30 minutes the exact was that the exact amount of time and it was used exactly as, as it should have been used um you know yeah it, exactly it, like it was it that is the perfect point it was the perfect length it was shot for the form it made total sense. Like when I heard about the Kickstarter, I didn't understand that. I don't know if it's in there. I didn't understand that it was a going to be a thirty-minute episode. Okay. I thought it was going to be like a movie. Yeah. And uh, when I was, uh, my friend Brian and I were discussing it last week, and he made this point where he was like, "This is exactly what Machete should have oh, been." Oh, good point. Or or Machete. Great point. He, he was like, if it had just been an absurd, crazy thirty-minute episode. Yeah. 
you would have thought it was oh, awesome. Oh, so true. Oh, I got to go back and rewatch Machete now, like Machete, with that in that in my mind. I wonder if somebody's edited it down to be that. Well, and there's so many. I mean, yeah, it's it's just like that. Like, have you seen the? Um, Oh man, somebody just did an edit of The Hobbit just to pull out Gandalf's story. Oh, dude, I'm doing that. About I, I've, I've been working on it. I mean, I, oh, I knew you were doing that. Well, just a lot of to pull have, out one specific tract, and it's like, uh, that's, you know, I mean. I'm trying to yeah. edit. So, I mean, others have done it, and everybody's kind of got their own twist on it. I, I have been editing the three movies of The Hobbit into one, basically exactly the book and nothing more. Um, yeah. Which is tricky because there's a lot of bullshit that they added in that doesn't need to be in there. Like taking the white orc out of every scene is really hard. Um, <laughs> there's all, all that stuff, but yeah, but at the end of the day, um, you know, when you've got, and, and, and maybe, you know, I'm sure a lot of these movie studios are feeling the, are feeling exactly what I described before where they're like, Oh crap, we're losing v- viewers to YouTube videos and com- books or comics. And then TV shows like people are sitting, people are sitting in their homes for 12 hours, binging a season and not coming to a movie that day. Like they're not, so to 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 compete, you know, rightly or wrongly, they're cramming in more story into movies to try to make them feel like you know, you know, six episode TV shows and two you know two and three hour movie blocks instead of just doing what movies do best, you know, like and making yeah. like either making something like Ex Machina, which is slow and quiet and and is what it you know is self contained, or like Pacific Rim, which is bombastic and big but is still self contained, like a TV show. Pacific Rim could never work as a TV show in the same way. Like, and, and I'm glad they never tried it. Like, I'm glad there wasn't like, cause there's, you don't want to see 12 hours of that. Like it would get tired. You'd, you'd get, you just get <laughs> numb to it. Uh, 90 minutes yeah. is exactly what that needed to be. Same thing with Tinker Taylor's Soldier Spy. And this is, and, and I'll bring this up only because a lot of people, when that was a BBC series, people thought, oh no, the series is perfect. The movie cuts out too much. Mm. I have tried to watch the series. I'm like, man, that's, it's, oh, it's too much. The movie for me was exactly what it needed to be. So there's some of those, some of those properties or some of those titles will kind of straddle both lines when they need to. But I think at the end of the day, like movies need to be movies again. Um, I've, I've felt that way. That is, I didn't even know Tinker Taylor was a, was a series on BBC, but that is how I felt about um, the first Daniel Craig Bond movie, which was like they, it, it just felt like you've put another movie in the middle of your yeah, action movie. Yeah. And if you would had just pulled that out and because basically the um, Casino Royale uh, and you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be like this purist because I read all the novels many, many oh, times wow. as a kid, but the, the middle of it, like the gambling section mm-hmm. is all that there is to the novel. Okay. So it's like, they could have just done that and been faithful to the novel. And it would have been a weird ass bond movie yeah, or yeah. they could have just pulled it out and had all the action. It would have been like a born movie with Daniel yeah, Craig in it. Yeah. It would have been great, but it was, you know, that's like a perfect example of like, you had an apex of this story and then you told another story and I don't, you know, it was just, it was just very weird. Well, like just yeah. be the, just be the movie. Yeah. Stop trying to, yeah. It felt like, I mean, that's a great, I mean, I, I like Casino Royale, but you're right. It feels like it's almost like they're trying to condense episodes of a series into a movie. And like, yeah. and I just, you know, I don't know. It's, we should, we should do an episode because I have only seen the first Hobbit movie. That's um, best. And I should go back. <laughs> I should go watch the next two and some of the fan oh, edits. Jesus. And we should, we should just talk about that with this theme. That would be because great. Because that is, well, because, I, I, because, uh, and I mean, it would just be—it would just be great to hear your thoughts on that, on Hobbit versus Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's just such a, 
a huge amount of all oh, the God. stuff that we're talking yeah. about. You know, well, that's I, I won't. I will not say anything because that is an entire. Yeah, I'm holding episode. my I'm, I'm holding my tongue on that too because I have so many comments I can make. I'm just, but let's uh, yeah, let's do another like point five episodes. I'll give you a, te- I'll give you a teaser Hobbit what you can expect though from from just watching. If you were were you what did you think of the first movie? Were you delighted, pissed? I was pretty excited. You're pretty about excited. It. Okay, um, but but let me let me give you a teaser. I hated the book. <laughs> oh. Interesting. <laughs> you hate now. Wait, did you read Lord of the Rings? No, before? let's not discuss it anymore. Well, wait, I'm, just, I'm just curious. I won't, I won't, I, it's the only thing I'll ask. Did you read The Hobbit before you read Lord of the Rings, or vice versa? Vice versa, okay. and both okay. as an adult. Interesting. <laughs> that that's that because we will have completely different frameworks from which to discuss this. So this will be let's yeah. Let's and I saw it with a, a friend um, who was like quoting the Cimmerillion or, or whatever, yeah. you know, and just being like, oh, this was that part was from this and this part is in the appendices or whatever. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Interesting. Because <laughs> okay. to me it was like, oh, they just made a movie about the characters from The Hobbit. Well, there you go. Talk about a talk about a trailer for things to come. There's a there's an episode that will be coming sooner than later, I'm sure. Um, cool. We'll talk about that. Well, that's that. That kind of sums up. I mean, I, I I can't think of any better way to sum it up than that, um, and put a pin in it. And and yeah, I enjoyed this. I like. I think we should just we should do some of these focused episodes. Yeah, you know, yeah. more frequently. Yeah, it's cool. So, um, hopefully, you know, if there's anybody listening, they will let us know whether they like it or not, and think we should do more of those focused episodes. Um, and uh, I, I guess we'll we'll just you know, uh, next week on the podcast we'll debate the name some more and yeah and. We'll we'll have a we'll probably go back to our, our normal format and we'll have some previews and some picks and stuff. Absolutely. Well, in, cool. until then, um, you can find me on at Taylor Trask on Twitter, T A Y L O R T R A S K. And uh, I am at Hey Todd A on Twitter and HeyToddA.com is my blog where I post all these episodes and you can hit that search feature and find all these other things that I've talked about. Definitely watch Kung Fury. Yeah. And we got to give a shout out oh. to my friend uh, Patrick Clark. Patrick! Who <laughs> has been doing the, you know, um, the, the work of, of hyping the show. He's been happy about a, a couple of episodes. Dude, Patrick's and, into and our, our just, picks about stuff, too. He's, he's like... Yeah, he's buying things and tweeting an image. An image. And <laughs> while we were talking, he there's some he just tweeted to Todd McFarlane and, and cited us. So. Rock on. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's doing the the, the Lord's yeah, work. Yeah, man. Well, we need, to, um, we need to loop him at some point too. I'd be I'm curious to know what he thinks on some of these things. He's he's given us his thoughts a little bit on Twitter. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Are You There, Todd? It's me, Taylor. <laughs> From me, Taylor Trask. And I'm Todd A. Bye bye. <laughs>